Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm really excited today to welcome Beverly Price to the show. Beverly is the driving force behind her empowered divorce and has had a profound personal connection to the divorce journey, having navigated herself from the inside out, as have I, by the way, Over 30 years of dedicated coaching, and Beverly has produced invaluable support to thousands of women facing the most challenging aspects of divorce. And she guides her clients through amicable, difficult, and hostile divorces in both mediation and litigation. And beyond Beverly's commitment to individual empowerment, she's driven by a profound mission to change and transform the landscape of domestic abuse. And she's the visionary behind the Divorce Coalition, a coalition of leading podcast hosts, divorce expert, and domestic violence advocates united to illuminate the path of understanding, healing, and resilience. Wow, Beverly, that is some journey that you're on. <laughs> Welcome to sure the show. Sure is. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. So, you know, we've had a number of divorce coaches on the Divorce Dialogues podcast, and I'm really curious, from your perspective, what divorce coaching can do and kind of a difference sort of like the A-B testing, what divorce can look like with and without preparation, education, and communication. Sure. I'd start out with perhaps what kind of divorce coaching do different individuals practice? Some divorce coaching is thought to be emotional management. Other divorce coaching adds on to that preparation, communication, education. And so that's the kind of divorce coaching that I would talk about today is kind of what's a part of that. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's learn about that. You know, what, what is it that you think? Cause I think what you're saying is that uh, emotional support is useful, but what you're exactly. really talking about is helping somebody who's facing divorce or thinking about divorce or in the middle of divorce really know more about the process, know maybe what they don't know or what they are worried that they might not know about it so they don't feel so vulnerable. Is that right? Exactly. I think that a lack of education and preparation actually exacerbates emotional issues, whether it's fear, fear of the unknown, overwhelm, anxiety, worry, those kinds of things by not having adequate preparation and education can really cause the emotional management side to inflate. And then when the emotional management side inflates, it prevents you from making good and clear decisions. So that comes full circle around two problems in your legal process because you can't make good decisions. So it's almost like every piece 
of the journey from beginning to end of divorce can impact the other. And if you think about what I like to think about is a process team of an attorney, a financial professional, and a divorce coach, and that each of those have in-depth experiences on each one of their segments, but by coming together, you're greater than the sum of the parts. And some people may say, well, why do I need a coach in addition to an attorney? And I liken it to if you think about the fact that you're told you have to have brain surgery, you're not going to go to your general practitioner for brain surgery. You're going to want a brain surgery. Well, that's the attorney. That's your divorce attorney. And then you're not going to want to go through that, that surgery without anesthesia. That's your divorce coach. And so it's essential to help you navigate the process. A legal expert knows the law inside and out and has a legal strategy and creates that. But I'm going to try and help prepare them for it so they understand it, so they can be a stronger advocate for themselves and get better results so that they can walk into an attorney's office and be a stronger partner with the attorney than they could have without. So let me see if I'm understanding this properly, because I think what you're saying, or are you saying, Beverly, that so when I meet with a client and they say, you know, I want this and I want that and I want the other thing, my interpretation often is I'm not so sure that's actually the things that they say, especially at the beginning, are, that they want are the things that are going to get them what they really need and what exactly. they really want. And so I think that, and for people who've listened to the show before, they've heard me say this, you know, I think that divorce and many other problems in life make us anxious, right? And and anxiety Absolutely. is, you know, incredibly unpleasant. I was in my 40s before I realized, and I'm not joking about this, before I realized that anxiety wasn't going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is I would cast around if I felt anxious for something that would soothe me and, and I'd come up with something, oh, I'll keep the house or I'll, you know, drive this car or I'll, whatever it is, right? It doesn't matter. Right. Without really like letting myself sit with the anxiety long enough to think, well, what's really going on here, Catherine? What is it right. that's really going on? So then I get to keep the house and I'm like, wait a second, this isn't helping me. <laughs> and right. I think, right. And so I think what you're saying is that, that, that the, coaching role or the way that you think about it that the coaching role is to help the the person who to really interpret what's going on and to sit with some of that afflictive emotion a little long enough to get a better sense as to what really that person needs is that right correct Correct. and that in addition to that I fully believe that knowledge is power so that all the knowledge you can gain about yourself, your emotions, the legal process in your state, how to interview different divorce professionals, and many, many more things actually can reduce some of those emotions. Part of when people come to me, a lot of times their response is, well, why didn't my attorney do this? Or why didn't my attorney explain this? And in part, it's because I think they're not their own advocate by asking questions, by, you know, standing up for themselves. And they put the attorney in this terrible position of expectations that you're 
somehow this superman, superwoman for the process when in fact you are legal professionals, right? And so sometimes they think the attorney should make me feel better or sometimes they think the attorney should be able to teach me how to communicate or they'll tell me, teach me everything about the divorce process. And generally, unless you have a lot of money to spend on billable hours, an attorney isn't going to do that, you know? So I think it's critical that you add in that knowledge, education, and preparation can reduce that anxiety, can reduce also any dissatisfaction a client may have with their attorney by setting expectations and teaching them how to communicate. I think you may be giving us a little bit of a pass, Beverly, because uh, we attorneys, I I don't want us listeners to think that your attorney shouldn't explain things because we should. And we ought to be able to put it in context in its sort of integrated way. How does this decision fit into the overall process? How does this decision impact you in your life? Can we get out our maybe not a crystal ball, but at least some reasonable predictors as to what might happen in the future. And let's think through some of those things. So I don't want the listeners to think that you know, my turn. No, I'm not giving you should. a pass at all. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there are things that can be learned that are outside of necessarily the legal strategy. You know, for example, how when a person's thinking about divorce, what are they told to do? Well, the first thing they're told to do is get your hands on financial documents. But there are other things of critical importance. Have you protected your technology? Have you protected accounts, changed passwords? Have you, have you considered secure storage for all the information? Are you protecting information that you don't want your spouse to see until you're ready to tell them you want a divorce. So there's so many other forms of preparation and education that I think are critical to a successful divorce process that go beyond, let's say, what the responsibilities of an attorney or a financial professional are, but equip the client for a better process. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues, a podcast dedicated to educating people about divorce-related topics so everyone can divorce with dignity. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure you don't miss an episode. I'm talking today with Beverly Price. She's the driving force behind Her Empowered Divorce, and she's a, we're talking about divorce coaching and what it means and how it really helps integrate and, and enhance the work and the the impact of the work that each person is doing with her attorney to get the best possible results. And that's what I'm interpreting what you're yeah. saying, Beverly. And so can you can you talk a little bit about well I'm tempted to ask you two things. And let me tell you what the two Go questions are. It. You decide which is gonna you're gonna I want to know about what led to the creation of the divorce coalition. But I also want to know about Beverly Price's story and what okay. led you to get on this path because your uh, introduction talks about and your bio talks about your own personal journey as well as your professional one. So I, th- I have a feeling right. they're related. So go for it. Absolutely. They're intertwined. So when I first started out after college, I worked in the corporate world in financial services as a senior executive for about 15 years. I made the decision that I wanted to feel a more direct impact on individuals than I was 
working in the environment. I was dealing with companies that dealt with other companies as opposed to influencing, helping a particular individual. So I started coaching and started it as life transition coaching. So if someone went through a divorce, was a widow, moved, things like that. And I found myself greatly gravitating toward the divorced individual, in part because of my significant divorce experience. I've been divorced more than once. I've had different kinds of divorce experiences, whether it's amicable or hostile. And I felt like my sensitivity and my understanding could only enhance the kind of training that you can get on divorce coaching. So that's kind of what led me to that. The Divorce Coalition is set up to improve the victim's experience in the court process. So we are not dealing directly with the victim. We are dealing with the legal system and the components of it. Many times a victim will say that they feel like the court experience is a re-traumatization over and above the abuse they've already experienced. And so the Divorce Coalition is aimed at changing that experience through education, information, collaboration, work within the family court system, criminal court system, etc. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I'm a survivor of multiple forms of abuse and I'm a podcast host and decided to approach a couple of the leading divorce podcast hosts and say, you know, if we each got together and used our combined voices and reach, we could accomplish a lot more than we can individually. So it began to grow from podcast hosts to divorce professionals and attorneys to judges to domestic abuse professionals, et cetera, to really help make a change in that professional side of divorce. So you are using the word victim and I'm not sure that it's totally or survivors that we're talking about domestic, not everybody who's getting div- divorced is a victim. <laughs> exactly. is a sur- I mean, we're all survivors, I guess, of survivors right. of a marriage that went awry or was never good to begin with. But I think mm-hmm. what you're talking about is a situation when there is some kind of domestic abuse or intimate partner violence or abuse inside of that relationship. So Beverly, could you talk a little bit about what the impact, first of all, you also said you're the survivor of multiple kinds of abuse. And so Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times people think that domestic violence or domestic abuse is just physical beating. Oh yeah. Right. And and if you can't see the bruises or broken bones. Right. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about what, domestic abuse could look like. Sure. And and then we'll we'll start there. Okay. Well, there's even some people that might not really understand that physical abuse is also abuse, but let's say they do. There are, gosh, 10, 15 other forms of abuse that exist. Financial abuse, sexual abuse, child abuse, elder abuse, technology abuse, legal abuse post-separation abuse, emotional abuse, and kind of these fall under an umbrella of coercive control, which is abuse that is all about power and control. And so one of the things you have to look at in divorce is the history of abuse 
that your client has. And again, we're talking about now divorces that have domestic abuse of one form or the other involved. And take a look at what the current state of the client is. Are they totally traumatized? Are they able to walk through the process without support? Do they need support? Those kinds of things. One thing I will say that people need to be aware of is if you are experiencing domestic abuse, you should not leave the abuser until you have spoken to expert domestic abuse professionals and have a safety plan because Upwards of 70% of women that leave an abusive spouse are murdered. And so it's very critical that you understand how to do it. Don't tell your spouse you want a divorce and don't leave without a safety net. So that's from the physical side. From the other side, another one that can be fairly visible is financial abuse. When you look at tax returns and other documents, but there are some emotional, verbal, mental, post-separation abuse, those kinds of things that really range from harassment to stalking. And in some states, anything other than physical abuse is not recognized by the court system. There are a few states now that do recognize coercive control, other forms of domestic abuse as abuse, but they are the minority. So one of the things that I think has to be done is a lot of documentation of event and fact driven things that have happened, because saying what you wish would happen, talking about your emotions is not going to be heard or interpreted by the court. You need to learn how to communicate to be heard and to get results rather than to communicate what you want. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues, and I'm Kathleen Miller. Divorce Dialogues has been educating people about divorce and relationship issues for over 10 years. Subscribe to the podcast, and don't forget to check out our previous episodes on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Beverly Price. And Beverly, if people are interested in learning more about you, about how to educate themselves, about the impact of domestic abuse on divorce and things that they should and should not do, how, mm-hmm. can they, how can they do that? Absolutely. They can go to my website, herempowereddivorce.com, and you can see the range of the types of activities that can be involved in the one-on-one coaching that I do. You can sign up for a brief assessment or a more in-depth consultation. And you could look at the different coaching packages that I offer. So that would be the best way. I also have a podcast called Her Empowered Divorce that they may want to tune into as well. Great. So I think what you're saying is that if somebody is listening to the podcast or knows someone is listening and knows someone is in a situation where they want to leave an abusive relationship, that it's really important to get a plan in place and to do some self-education before announcing it. And and the reason I'm emphasizing this and kind of repeating this again, Beverly, is because I think a lot of people process out loud their their thoughts like, oh, you know what, I'm going to leave you. Like like my ex-husband used to always say to me, 
you know, we should get a divorce. And I, and so when I finally said to him, you know, I think you're right, we should get a divorce. I was surprised that he was surprised, right. <laughs> you know, because like, you know, wait a second, you've been saying, you've been saying this for a long time. And now I'm just saying, yeah, you know what? I agree with you. Instead of feeling threatened by it, I, I feel like, yeah, let, let's get on the same page about this. How can we best do this and, you know, protect our kids? And so, you know, I think he was just processing his own unhappiness out loud, just to use an example. Right. And that's a part of one of the things I do is I coach people through that conversation. We script it, we role play it, and we reverse role play it, which means they put themselves in the shoes of the person asking. Typically, someone that asks for the divorce has been processing this topic for a good while. The person receiving the message may not have time to process. Now, in your case, where divorce has been mentioned time and time again, it may be that it's been processed and it's just more of a shock of the timing. But there are people that are totally blown away that this person could even think this that maybe they had a conversation the week before about how much they loved each other. And now all of a sudden the switches. So there's a, a lot of work that can be done to help the person on the receiving end start to process or help the person on the delivering end to think about how they want to. Now, if there's abuse involved, that whole scenario can change dramatically depending on the kind of abuse and the fear factor. And that is when an attorney must be brought in early on to look at the risks and the safety issues involved in even moving forward with divorce. So that's what I'm really saying, Beverly, is that people who are in an abusive of any kind, it does not necessarily need to be a beating you. It could just, it could be emotionally right. abusive, financially abusive. There could be a lot of other things going on that those people, and I say this to my clients all the time, threatening divorce is not effective. It right. never, ever gets you what you want. And, and so that's a conversation to have with your coach. That's a conversation to have with your lawyer. It might be a best conversation to have with your religious advisor, your best friend, but it is not a conversation to say until you really mean it. That's what, what I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. And that's the what I was talking about, about there's a communication to say the things we want to say, which is generally blaming, accusatory, whatever. Then there's the conversation that you need to construct so that your attorney, your judge, your spouse will hear it. And again, that is trickier in abusive situations than not. And just because someone hasn't hit you doesn't mean that they may not react physically when you tell them. So you also need a professional that looks at how hostile the marital relationship was in different scenarios. So that's why I think it's not only critical to gain information, but that is to speak to an expert who has already been through this. The National Domestic Violence Hotline, your local domestic violence shelter, your state coalition against abuse. That's great. And let's talk a little bit about gender. Is is domestic abuse always man on woman? Is it sometimes woman on man, woman on woman? Tell us about that. It kind of covers the gamut. 
the statistics that are known is that one out of three women have experienced some form of intimate partner violence and that one out of 10 men have. I haven't seen any statistics yet on woman on woman or man on man. I'm sure they're out there, but it is a significant issue. If you think about it, whether you're in a business meeting, whether you're in church, wherever you are, if you look to the right and to the left, chances are, if they are both women, one of those women has been abused. If you're on a row of chairs of 10 people, chances are that one of those men will have been abused. And on top of it, I think the abuse on men is considered isn't taken even as seriously as women because the old-fashioned thoughts are men should be strong, men should control their women, men should, you know, ha-ha if a man's going to be affected by an abusive spouse. However, in my coaching, I have seen some monstrative abusive women abuse their husbands. I've seen that too. Not necessarily physically, but in many other ways. I've seen it physically too. And the thing is, is what, as as an attorney representing that man, it's, we find it really helpful to have pictures, right? So that, you know, and I think, I think in any situation, if you've got a a physical abusive situation where marks are left, those pictures for your court case are going to make all the difference in the world to be believed. And it's sad, it's sad, but in a, you know, he said, she said situation, you really want to have some proof other than your own testimony. It shouldn't be like that, but it is. Absolutely. And I think one other component that can go with that is historical documentation, literally time, date, and action that has happened so that over time you've accumulated data on patterns. So for example, your state may not accept emotional abuse or legal abuse as a form of domestic abuse to prosecute or to concern themselves in the divorce. But if you have a list of events that range from the date of separation, let's say a year ago, and you have 50 different things of this was done, this was done, this was done, that pattern might be an effective part of the attorney's strategy so that it's facts speaking for you, rather than the last thing you want to do is diagnose your spouse, to use diagnostic words in a divorce, to use emotional words in a divorce. You want to learn how to document facts. And that leads to the other critical element, which is make sure wherever you're storing that information, there is no way in heaven that your abuser can get a hold of it. Yeah. Keep it with a friend, things like that. Don't ever leave it out. Don't leave it so children can get to it, that kind of thing. That's great advice. So Beverly Price, I assume that you've got some of these tips on your website if people are like furiously scribbling away. So <laughs> that's great. So this has been a really, really helpful conversation. Thank you so much for being Thank my guest on, on Divorce Dialogues. I think that for anybody who's facing an abusive situation or thinking about divorcing an abusive spouse, any form of abuse, you've given some really, really helpful tips and guidelines. Thank you very much, Catherine. I was pleased to be here.